Amen, amen. Hey, you guys, go ahead and have a seat. Um, is anybody else thankful that you get to be led by peers in worship? Like, that's incredible. Praise God. Listen, it, I do it like for my job, and it's not, it's not always easy, and practice doesn't always go as planned, um, but at the end of the day, God is so glorified, and it was, it was beautiful hearing uh, worship tonight together. So we're going to be um, continuing on in um, the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we're going to be in the book of Matthew, chapter 7. Matthew was written by who? Matthew. To who? Jews, there we go, yeah, the Jews, um, and in this moment of, of Jesus' ministry on the Sermon of the Mount, um, he begins to let them know that they're going to be hearing things from people in their lives that might be questionable, right? And um, I have to be really honest with you, like, I love, love, love listening to podcasts that are just absolutely ridiculous. Like, I love listening to mindless things. One of them is a podcast that takes old songs, deconstructs them, and helps me understand the music theory behind them. Doesn't that sound so boring to you? Like, it's just, it's so mindless to me. I love it. Another one that I really love to listen to is one called Cultish. Now, Cultish, can anybody tell me what a cult is? First of all, what is a cult? Yes, sir. A really weird religion, yes. Like they, they, the spaghetti monster cult, right? Is it, well, any, anybody else ever heard any other cults in the world? Mormons. M- yeah, yeah, Mormons, yes, yeah. D- different cults. So basically, um, this, this podcast takes different uh, Christian cults and helps distinguish between what's true and what's false. Um, and I have a seven-hour car ride next week, and I'm so excited to catch up on all the ones. Uh, they're going to actually be talking about the Enneagram, which is the, does anybody know what the Enneagram is? Some people think that's a cult. So, I mean, it, uh, yeah, amen, amen. No, I, love, I love the Enneagram. I'm probably going to be uh, faced with some hard reality listening to that podcast. So, um, anyhow, I love listening to things. And, and what's, what's interesting is that um, our culture is fixated on hearing things, understanding things, being the first one to tweet or to post or to snap, like, information, right? So TikTok is the, like, y'all's thing, right? You love TikTok. TikTok's bad, but whatever. TikTok, TikTok. But TikTok is, like, one of the biggest things that I, that I feel like this generation listens to or watches. And you know what TikTok is, right? It's just a really bad version of camp lip sync, right? Like, it, like speaking, speaking of which, if you're not going to camp, let me, let me reconsider for you. Go to camp this year. It's going to be great. So that was a camp plug. You're welcome, Pastor Dan. Everybody say hey. Um, but um, TikTok is a really bad version. I mean, it's lip syncing, right? Like you're literally just hearing somebody do something and you're replicating that sound. And if your sound goes viral, you get followers and likes and all that kind of stuff and uh, comments and spam and free stuff from the TikTok world, including stickers and sweaters. So this world is always teaching us something always teaching us something. Like you, you turn on the radio and they're trying to teach you why you need to get Invisalign, right? You, you, you go to school and they're trying to teach you why the world war existed and happened, right? You come to church and we're trying to teach you the word of God. We're trying to continue to invest. And there's something really special about hearing and listening. Um, throughout the Bible, Jesus gives two um, instructions. Some instructions are proactive some instructions are reactive. So proactive instructions are, like, are things when he says, uh, when the Bible says, hey, flee from temptation. That's a proactive thing. Like we, we actively say, I'm going to run away from things that are going to keep me from God. Now, reactive instructions, things that he's trying to 
have us hear and understand are things like, hey, when you go through trials, because they're going to happen, like that you can't be proactive against trials, like when trials come, count them all joy, right? He, he tells us to, to, to have these two things um, very distinctly uh, proactive or reactive. And tonight we're going to jump into one of his proactively reactive phrases, like, Wait, I thought you said there's only two. Sometimes they're blended, like me. I'm blended. I'm an Oreo. It's a beautiful concept of life. Oh, that was weird for everybody, including me. So, so now, but it's going to stick. This was an Oreo message from, from Jesus. Yes. Okay. So this blend of being proactively reactive. Um, again, we're going to be in verse, uh, chapter 7, uh, Matthew chapter 7, starting verse 15. Uh, we're going to have it on the, on the screens. We're going to have it here. Again, Matthew's written to, by Matthew to a group of Jewish believers. But in this context, he was speaking to a wide range of people. So you had people that were listening that were from... Um, what we're going to see up here, a false prophet mentality of people that were there just to follow after Jesus because he gave them bread and food and, and drink and rest. And you had people that were there that were following after Jesus because Jesus had really changed their lives. So if you have your Bible, let's stand together. Let's read Matthew seven fifteen through 20. Jesus says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, and, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. All right, Jesus, I get it. Okay, cool. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down, thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Jesus, we thank you for this word. God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would help it illuminate our hearts and our minds. God, give us ears to hear, eyes to see. In Christ's name, amen. Please be seated. So Jesus, again, comes and does a proactively reactive statement here. He says, hey, beware of false prophets when they come. Be aware of these things. Be aware of these people that are going to give you what we call false fruit. Be aware of these things. Jesus wants to open the mind of these people, and he begins to, to describe them in a way that is, is very interesting. So he calls them ravenous wolves. Does anybody know anything about wolves? What do wolves do? Rah. Yes, sir. They hunt. They can tear a chicken coop up, right? They can eat squirrels. Um, so I googled some facts about wolves, and I want you to entertain me by listening to them. Here we go. So... Number one, a, wool, a, wolf's, a, so this is a, a wolf's howl can be heard from here to Chick-fil-A, six miles. Chick-fil-A, six miles from here? Yeah, I have to write it in my, anyhow, six miles. So from here to Chick-fil-A, a wolf can communicate and say, hey, there's some food over here, or hey, there's danger, or hey, I'm, I'm about to have a baby. Like, it's, it's just crazy how wolves, yes, sir? Do humans are wolves? What's that? Oh, for, for wolves. Yeah, wolves can hear each other. They can communicate in their own wolf language from here all the way to Chick-fil-A next to Walmart. Also, the sense of smell for a wolf is 2,000 times greater than that of a human being. Wow, incredible. So I could, if I was a wolf, I could smell your B.O., Mr. Jeff. Okay. Uh, wolves have twice the bite of a German shepherd. Also, here's, here's an interesting thing. So we, we, we have wolves in Florida. You, you know that, right? Like, okay. So if you have a dog and you live 
where wolves are, what happens is this pack of wolves will send out their smallest grunt of a wolf within that pack to go play with said dog that you may or may not own because this is an imaginary story. So don't go home and try to pet your dog to life because he's, he's still there. He's still there. So they send the smallest wolf out and this, you know, your, your dog, hey, it's over. We're hanging out. And all of a sudden the pack comes and boom, the pack attacks the dog. Why? Because they're incredible hunters. Like you said, they're incredible hunters. They'll come together and Jesus says that false prophets, false teachers are, are just as smart, are just as skillful and are just as dangerous as ravenous wolves. Not just nice wolves, but ravenous wolves. Now, the the enemy is also called in the Bible, he's also called the angel of light. When Jesus talks about wolves, and he he gives a description and and, and calls these these false teachers wolves, he has them also say that they're, they're, they're inwardly focused but you will recognize them what? Not by their wolf or their, or their howl. You won't recognize them by their teeth. You won't recognize them by the little grunt that comes in and he tries to get you. What does he say you'll recognize them as? What, what, what does the Bible say? That you will recognize them by what? Their fruit. Their fruit. We'll recognize them by their fruit. We have to know that Jesus here. Is, is, is trying to make it even more clear to these people, right? They, they would understand what it meant to have a sheep being protected, right? It says that, that, that they, the, this wolf comes in sheep's clothing, and you're going to recognize them by their fruit, by what they're teaching. Now, for them to wear a sheep's clo- clothing, if, if you're a shepherd and you're watching over sheep, you may get cold at night because you're up at all hours watching over these sheep. They would take wool that had been sheared off the sheep from the previous time of being a sheep that need to be sheared, put the wool on and protect these sheep from wolves, lions, tigers, bears, oh my, right? They, they would protect these, these wolves. Now, if you wear a sheep's wool, what are you going to smell like normally? Sheep. So even further, Jesus says, hey, he's going to smell like a sheep. He's going to sound like a sheep. And he's even going to deliver something to you, not even as a wolf, but as gentle as a sheep, by fruit, by fruit. And, and so you're like, okay, we, Jesus, how do you get to wolves, sheep, and fruit? I'm so confused. Well, let's, 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 let's look into it. We have to know that these wolves and teachers that Jesus would warn us about wouldn't be those that would be taking us by force. They would be taking us by their fruit, by what they're teaching, the fruit of their teaching. Now, for some of you... Um, I know, for instance, where's, where's Caleb? There's Caleb. Caleb. Caleb does jujitsu? Correct. So the fruit of his teaching of jujitsu, Caleb could probably whoop my tail because he knows how to do a what's it like thing on me, right? He's like, yeah, yeah. The, the, his fruit of being taught how to do a skill produces a, an ability within him. The fruit of these teachers that Jesus is, is, is trying to warn us about, or warn the Jewish people and even us today about, it's going to produce something within us. It's going to produce something if you listen to people that are bearing bad fruit or fake fruit, false fruit, something's going to develop and grow from that. For the Jewish believers, they would know easily 
when he says, hey, you can't gather grapes from thorn bushes, they would know that they'd been taught all their, even from, from young, like we have, we have sayings here, like what goes around comes around. One of their sayings would be bad fruit, bad tree. They, they would just know that because they were harvesters. There were people that worked in the fields. And the proof is in the fruit of these teachings. And I've, I've traveled to a lot of different places in my life um, for, for different trips and mission and stuff. And I was specifically in a place in South Asia. And um, I would love for you to experience this with me one, one day. I was in South Asia and um, we got there and we were guests, honorable guests to these people. So they, they brought us in. It was at this beautiful port city. A port city is where the water comes out. There's many different people, different cultures. And it's, I mean, beautiful blue, blue. I mean, it was Gorgeous. So they set us up at the beach. It was awesome. Now, that doesn't happen every mission trip you go on. But this, this instance happened. And they bring us a plate. And this plate was beautiful, like handmade, hand-carved, very polite people. They even gave us like a little um, a coconut, a little straw in it. It was glorious. It was really warm. It was interesting, but it was good. And then they gave us something that was wrapped in seaweed. So they said, hey, you, you, you dip it and you eat it. So I dipped it and I put it in my mouth. I didn't eat it. I chewed it twice, and, it, and have you ever eaten something, you're like a, a, a one-year-old baby, and you're like, Ugh! like it, it was like that. It was like, I put it in my mouth, and all of a sudden, it just came out, it just on the floor, and I felt so bad. And I was like, what is this? And they're like, it's seaweed-wrapped dolphin. Like the fish? No, like the, the jumpy, the jumpy one. Like flipper, I, 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 I tasted flipper. Like, you're like, inhumane. Again, other country, you'll get there one day. And then they had this big, so I was like, okay, this, <laughs> this is crazy. Where's my peanut butter, right? Then they had this fruit, this fruit. It was, it was so pretty on the outside. It was cut open, so you, you would just peel it open with your hands. And when you travel on mission trips, there's a thing that you get called funk. You just start to smell. Like if you've ever, like camp, like eighth grade cabin funk. Like you're just like, and I'm not, I'm not talking about the, the guy's cabin. I clean up at cabins. Girls, y'all stink too, by the way. Oh, it's like, ooh. Um, that's, why, that's why you don't date, okay? That's why, because you stink. No, uh, yes. But so I opened this, this fruit, and y'all, it was the mix of baby diaper, Cheeto breath, and a bad hair day. It was, it was so bad. Like, I open it, and you smell it, and they're like, eat. And I'm like, no, you know? And, and so, but there's this fruit and I was going to get it today. I, and, and I was going to have, I was going to bring it Seamus, wherever he's at. He was going to willingly eat it for me tonight. It was going to be an amazing experience together, but it would have stunk the, the worship center up and pastor Michael would have been like, okay, what's that smell? Where's the dirty diaper? Like what's going on? Um, but this fruit is called durian. Everybody say durian. durian. So if you ever go to an Asian market or if you ever want to, uh, Amazon some durian candy. Be my guest. It's disgusting. It's the worst fruit. This fruit was, was pungent. It was smelly. It was disgusting, but it was still fruit. And a lot of people eat it like, because it gives them sustenance. And a lot of people eat and hear and embrace teachings when it comes to the church, when it comes to what they hear online, and how you smell is very evident. Does that make sense? What you consume is very evident to those around you, whether you realize that or not. 
how you ingest, what you ingest comes out. Because from the mouth comes the overflow of the heart. From the mouth comes from the overflow of the heart. So we continue to read. He says, so every healthy tree bears good fruit. This is verse 17. But the diseased tree bears bad fruit. The diseased tree bears bad fruit. What about the healthy tree? The healthy tree is what we would say the believer bears, right? The believer bears the fruit of the spirit of God, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. This is in the book of Galatians. We see this fruit being, being bore. So Jesus isn't the first time, like, the, the, the analogy of a fruit, of something being, being has, has anybody ever, like, grown fruit before? Like, it's, it's, a, it's a time-consuming process. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. But for the believer, the Spirit of God has gifted you with fruit that is amazing. Unlike durian, it's sweet. If, if you say somebody, man, he, he's a loving person. Man, that, that just warms the soul. He's self-controlled. Man, oh my goodness. She is so gentle. Right? These, are, these are attributes that we are given as believers through the spirit of God. And anything else that we have as fruit as believers, you're like, wait, why do I need to know? Like, I'm going through like, my midterm right now. I don't need to hear about having fruit. Let me tell you. To have love, to have gentleness with an online teacher that may not even know how to work a computer, right? That, that can be the beginning of you saying, hey, let me, let me actually help you. Or, or for a parent that they're just aggravating you because they, they want you to do eight tests in two weeks because they want to get in before Christmas so they can be done and you can be done. What about a little bit of self-control? We are what we eat. When Jesus is speaking about these grapes that have already been missed by the harvest due to the overgrown thorn bushes, these grapes and figs would be rotted, maggot-filled due to their ruin. And though the fruit of a false prophet comes from the same place, it's a later harvest. It's a harvest that wasn't taken up in its correct time, taken up in its godly time. If you can't identify, like, if you can't identify false voices in your, in your life, like, if you, if you read something and you just immediately agree with it, I challenge you to start thinking critically through things. Like, when I was 17, I began a relationship with Christ, right? Jesus saved me from my sin. I, I turned and I repented. But before that, like, I had already had, by the time of 17, like, in 17 in Georgia, you can go to jail as an adult. Like, I had my worldview fixed. I had my process fixed. Like, I knew what I knew, and I didn't want to know anything else. I, I already knew these things, and I was a skeptic. Anything that came to the Bible, I was a skeptic. Anything that came to any other religion, I was easy to believe. I don't know what it was. But when it came to the Bible and things of Christianity, I was a skeptic because I'd seen and heard so many crazy things growing up in church. So many crazy things. I, I, I grew up in, in South Georgia where a pastor one time told me that I couldn't date his, his granddaughter because I was another color. Like, I was, I was so confused, and the fruit of that teaching ruined my perspective of believers. And let me tell you, if you've heard a teaching before 
from a Christian, quote unquote, a pastor, quote unquote, a deacon, a church member, and it's messed you up, let's have a conversation. An honest conversation and say, what kind of fruit was this? Was it godly? Because that's what happens when you realize it didn't come from God. When you realize a teaching or a statement or a thought didn't come from God, that's when you can, first of all, heal by the spirit of God because he's that good. But then second, become a victor over false teachings. Become a victor over these things and, and not a victim anymore. And I've heard it so many times. This church did this to me. This church did that to me. This person, this Christian Mom, mama, and she is a a Jesus follower. She prays every day. She said this, I can't, let me tell you. Jesus says be aware and test these spirits. Test these teachings. Because in verse 20, he says, as a believer in Christ, you should or you will, verse 20, recognize them by their fruits. And so as we continue on tonight, we're gonna look at three things really quickly of false fruits and what their teaching produces. So number one, false fruit is produced when faith is mainly external. False fruit is produced when faith is mainly external. This is exactly what is wrong with the Pharisees within the Bible. Jesus would look, look at these Pharisees and Sadducees as he's been following after their teaching. And he would say, hey, you guys are like whitewashed tombs. Now, what is inside of a tomb? Dead people. He says, you look so great on the outside. You look so alive on the outside, but your heart is what? Dead. Their interior has never been changed. And it's so easy for us as American Christians and Christians in general to believe the lie that religious practices and a religious relationship with Christ, a a right relationship with Christ are the same. We think, listen, if I pray, if I close my eyes this time when the pastor prays, if I, if I raise my hands like at the right time, because that's when everybody's raising them, you know, if I go on a mission trip, because Pastor Nick told me to go on one, that's going to make me standing right in front of God. If I, don't, if, I don't, if I don't do the bad things, right, that's what makes me a believer. And I'll have to tell you, no. False teaching is embraced and, and, and false fruit is produced when all you worry about is the external. I heard somebody say one time, y'all, wearing tr- masks to churches happened way before the pandemic. Right? Because you're wearing a facade. And as a generation, like, y'all want to be so upfront and bold and awesome online and be like keyboard kings and queens when it comes to how you look and what you want to promote and who you want to be like. But what's the inside? Just because you have a verse on your bio or tattooed on your foot, or you might use a worship song on a TikTok song, those things don't make you a believer. It's the inward expression. It's the inward expression. Your outward expressions of faith must be tested to see if they are from the Lord. When faith is only external, The internal is still dead and separates you from God. It separates you from God. And my desire is that you would be a generation, you would be a people 
that would be changed from the inside out, not from the outside trying to cram godly things in because the flesh wants nothing to do with it. It takes a regenerated heart to understand the truth of God, to understand who he is, and to understand his purpose for your life. Second, false fruit is produced when faith is only worried about the thou shalt nots, right? Again, I grew up in a very conservative, old school church, and I heard a lot of messages. I remember I got, I got my lip pierced. The pastor preached about you know, not piercing your body. I, I was dating a girl that was wearing pants. He preached about not wearing pants. I was like, what in the world? Are you looking at my life? That's not how you get to people. But there are teachers and leaders out there, um, even, even your parents, that will speak the truth about what to do and what not to do, right? And I'm all about it. Like, I'm all about, you know, the parameters that we have. I'm all about how we should walk, how we should talk, how we should love our neighbor, how we should subject ourselves under authority. Like, I'm, I'm completely about that. But when it comes to our faith, that can easily become moralism. Everybody say moralism. What are morals? Yeah, rules that you hold yourself to. Moralist and moralism, or a moralist is a person that does good moral things to declare themselves good. The Bible would say something completely different about that. The culture even says, hey, Give to the poor, you're good, right? Or don't save all your money for yourself. Give it to other people. Thou shalt not be, that, you know, thou shalt not not love your neighbor. But Colossians would say something different. In Colossians chapter three, Paul's writing to the church of Colossae and he says this, you were dead in your sin and Christ cut away the brokenness of your heart and gave you life in Christ. Gave you true life. So the issue isn't about you being a bad kid made good or not doing the bad things. It's, it's primarily about you being alive in Christ. And then from that, you're able to obey the law of God. Because apart from that true obedience and faith in Christ, you're not cussing, not doing things before marriage, not being mad at people, not doing drugs. All that's going to be in your power, you'll become a moralist, and that will still send you to a real place separated from God called hell. We have to know clearly, clearly, when we submit ourselves under the law of Christ, our lives look different. And we make God famous and he gets the glory. And it's no longer about living in a faith that's all about I'm not going to do it. Because I'm telling you, like, you guys are in, in such a beautiful bubble of protection and, and, and under such awesome teaching from Pastor Mike to Pastor Dan. And it's a beautiful place to be in. Some of you have amazing godly parents. And, and the lie that the enemy is going to try to whisper in your ear is that because you're a good kid, you have a good God. Because you are a dead sinner that can make you alive in Christ, that's what makes God so good. Now, do we follow the rules and do we obey our parents? Absolutely. But not from the place of wanting to be moralists where we're good people doing good things, but because of what God's done in our hearts and in our lives. That's what makes true fruit. But false fruit, y'all, it'll mess you up. Lastly, number three. False fruit is produced when faith and life are divorced from one another. Let me say that again. False fruit is produced when faith and life, life and faith, 
are divorced from one another. Any teaching that removes the Christian from life and activity of the world is fake. I even heard from this youth group, um, one time I was having a conversation with someone in this youth group before, and to clarify, Dan teaches the word of God. It's pure, it's truth, it's faithful to the text of the scripture. But he's come here a few times, and he literally told me to my face, Nick, my Wednesday me and my Sunday me are completely different. I'm like, what, what do you mean? He's like, I don't think that you should have to live out your faith when you're not at church. Wait, like, what do you, what do you mean? Well, I don't have to live out my faith within my relationships. Like, God loves me and he accepts me and I let him, you know. So when it comes to me and my girlfriend, we, we do whatever we want to. And you're okay with that? Yeah, man, God loves me. Well, what about how you like, do you like tithe or like, I'm just asking questions. Like, do you, and he's like, no, like that's my money. And he has believed the lie that his faith in Christ and his life and living are two separate things. When in fact, that's a lie and they're, 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 they're together. There's another teaching like it goes on the other side of it. So you have this extreme side of like, hey, God's not in any detail of my life. He's just like there when I need him. And sometimes like on Sundays and maybe at Christmas because there's like the baby Jesus, right? And then like on Easter because there's like the dying Jesus and that comes back to life. And like I get emotional about it and I'm at church and I come to church for like two weeks after that. And then I kind of fade away because again, my life is separated from my faith. But there's the other side where we have Christian monks that have nothing to do with the world. They're like, oh God. And what's been done in their lives has no effect on any part or anyone that's in their life. Jesus paints a different picture when it comes to this life, right? This life of like, I'm, do, I'm having nothing to do with the world because it's scary, it's dangerous, it's fearful, it's, it's, it's disgusting, Right? And even in this mindset, sometimes we get in our, our Christian bubbles and we want to stay so close and so protected and we don't want anybody to hurt us. All the while, we have brothers and sisters last week in Kenya, 20 of them were taken to a soccer field and beheaded because of their faith in Christ. Jesus paints this picture for us when it comes to our faith and life coming together. And he's praying to the Father on behalf of you and me. So let's hear this together clearly. Jesus prayed this for you, if you are a believer in Christ. He prayed this for you. He said this. In John 17, 15, he says this. Father, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. I ask you to protect them from the evil one. We're called to be in this world, but not of it, right? We're called to be in this world. There are teachings, again, that are out there that, that, that say, you know what? You only need God when you need God. You only need God when you need God. The thread of Christ should be woven in every aspect of your life. Does that even mean like how I talk to my siblings? Absolutely. Does does that even mean like how I treat my coworkers when they're absolutely crazy? Yeah. Does that mean how when somebody texts a picture of me and they meant to send it to somebody else, Like, I've responded to them in love? Absolutely. We have to be very aware of these teachings. Very aware of these teachings. And as we wrap up tonight, 
we see that fruit is evident. Like you are always producing fruit. There's not, there's not this, this moment of like, am I producing fruit? Am I not producing fruit? Jesus says that you are either producing good fruit or you're producing bad fruit. And everybody falls into those categories. Either you have repented of your sin and Christ has changed your life and your heart and you're now producing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and the whole nine, or you're still trusting yourself and you're rejecting Christ. The fruit of your life, if you are not a believer in Jesus or if you're questioning I'm a believer, the fruit of your life is sin. Sin produces, sin, sin's pr- product, like when you turn that fruit in, equals death. And I wanna encourage you tonight. If you're not in Christ, there's still an opportunity as you have heard the word of God, as the spirit of God is pulling on your heart and allows the scripture to marinate on your soul to know that you can repent of your wrongdoing and believe in Jesus. And if you're a believer, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that you would be reminded to not take part in the durian platter, but you would go for some raspberries or my favorite fruit. That you would go after the things that are are true and that you would be listening to the teachings that come into your mind. That you would, for the first time when you're scrolling through social media, look at these things and say, man, that's some bad fruit. Let me get that off my plate. That's some bad fruit. Let me get that off my plate. Playing some fruit ninja. That you would know who the imposter is on your social media. Your external goodness won't save you. Your moralism will never be good enough. But God does desire to give you new life and for you to walk in it. If you have any questions, I would love to talk to you after this time. Just about, hey, like, what does this mean to like have fruit and life in Christ? Because I want you to know God loved you so much. He provided the best sacrifice, the best fruit per se, the sweetest aroma through Jesus Christ in his death for your sin so that you can have life in Jesus when you repent of your sin and turn to him as Lord. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much that you give us clarity in text about what we need to avoid. God, that you prepare us to be proactively reactive when there are lies spewed over our hearts and our minds. God, I pray for even the student that's in this room tonight that's heard something from a church leader, a pastor, a Christian, and it's completely ruined any opportunity for their hearts because they're so hardened by these things that they've been hurt by. God, I pray that you would heal their heart, that you would soften their heart and that that you you would draw them close to you, God. I pray for the student in this room that's still searching and trying to follow after you with everything they are, that you would know that you are grace and mercy, that they don't have to live under a list of rules to follow, but God, that you give them life and you can allow them to live under grace. Not so sin may abound, but grace so they can live under your law. God, we thank you for tonight. We love you. We trust you in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Y'all have a great week, and uh, we'll see you next time. See you.